In 2006, a man called Enrique Duran uh, started going to banks in Spain and he started taking out loans. Over three years, he went to 39 different banks and he took out 68 different loans. And then he went online and he posted an article in which he proudly stated that he had stolen about half a million euros from these Spanish banks, which is about 800,000 Aussie dollars. And he said he had no intentions of repaying it back. He intentionally stole the money because he hated capitalists, he hated greedy big businesses, and he took the money and he donated it to some organisations that were anti-capitalism. And he's been in hiding since 2013 because the authorities have a, an eight-year prison sentence hanging over him. Duran is sometimes known as the Robin Hood of the banks or as Robin Banks. And a lot of people think he's a hero because he took money from these wealthy businesses and he gave it to the poor. Uh, yeah, he may have flexed a few rules along the way, but it was for a good cause, right? In fact, that's kind of a common view in the world today, wouldn't you agree? That bending the rules a little bit isn't a big deal as long as no one gets hurt. I mean, it's bad to take advantage of someone poor and struggling, but it's not such a big deal if that person is filthy rich. You, you shouldn't steal from the little milk bar in the corner of your neighbourhood or from the local IGA. But scanning your avocados as apples at the Coles self-serve checkout, well, that's just clever, right? It's not a big deal. In fact, if you do a Robin Hood and you take money from the rich and give it to the poor, that's kind of awesome. As we come to the Eighth Commandment today, some of us might be thinking, finally, a commandment I don't need to worry about. Finally, something that's not going to make me feel guilty. A survey a little while ago found that 86% of adults think that they've never broken this commandment. And if that's what you think this morning, then you might be in for a little bit of a surprise. Because as we look at this commandment, we're going to find that it's probably a bit more complicated than we might have thought. But I hope also we'll see that it is a more beautiful and more important commandment than we might have thought. So let's open it up together. Let's see what God has to say about stealing. We're going to do this in two points. And the first thing we're going to look at is the problem of theft. The problem of theft. Theft is illegal in almost every society in the world. And I think we'd agree that's a good thing. Because we don't want people just barging into our homes and stealing our stuff. I still remember I walked out the front door one morning to go to work and my car was gone. <laughs> and I remember walking out to the footpath and looking left and right and wondering if maybe I'd just forgotten where I parked it. And I realised, no, it's just it's gone. And the next day the police found it dumped on the highway near Torquay. Someone had just wanted to have a fun joyride, but it was incredibly inconveniencing for me. So it's good, isn't it, that stealing's illegal? Because we don't want people just taking our cars. But the law against 
theft does much more than just protect your possessions. It it protects against kidnapping and human trafficking. Surely this is the worst form of all theft. You might be tempted to think that slavery was abolished in America in the 19th century, but actually, in the world today, there are estimated to be 40 million people in slavery. Children in sweatshops, men in forced labour camps, 15 million people in forced marriages where girls are married to older men. Five million people suffering sexual exploitation. Forty million. It's staggering. Exodus 21 verse 16 says, Whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him, shall be put to death. But what else does this law prohibit? I started brainstorming a list, and honestly, I couldn't believe how long it was. Well, well, let's, let's go through a few things that, that count as stealing. Kids, kids, if you pinch money from mum or dad's wallet, or if you sneak cookies from the pantry, that's stealing. If you take lollies from the shop without paying, that's stealing. One of the most common places that theft happens, I think, is at workplaces. It was a big deal for the Israelites too. In Leviticus 19, God said, You shall do no wrong in judgment, in measures of length or weight or quantity. You see, people would go to the market and they would buy a kilogram of wheat, let's say, and then you'd get home and you'd weigh it and you'd realise you'd paid for a kilogram and you'd been given 800 grams. Business owners, if you don't provide the product that people have paid for, you're stealing. Do you ever quote jobs dishonestly? Do you overcharge if you know you can get away with it? Do you pay your employees fairly? Do you ever skimp on their breaks? Leviticus 19 verse 13 says, If you pay your workers late, you're robbing them. Employees, how easy is it to steal time from your boss? Stretch out your breaks, clock off a little bit early, sneak some time on social media. Titus 2 says, Slaves, and I think we can also apply this to employees, be subject to your masters and everything to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that you can be fully trusted. Another way we steal is through finances. When my car was stolen, I had tools in the boot. And a little while later, the insurance company rang me and they said, "Um, we're happy to replace the tools that were in your boot. Could you just tell us what was in there? (laughs) And I thought, huh, I could say anything. But insurance fraud is theft. If you take a loan or a credit card 
with no intention of repaying it, that's theft. Leviticus 6 warns against deceiving your neighbor in a matter of deposit or security. And Romans 13 verse 7 says, Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. Which means that if you fudge your tax return, or you do cash jobs off the books, you're stealing from the government. Oftentimes, stealing is just through deceiving other people. You know, you, you sell a dodgy car without telling them what's wrong with it. Well, you're kind of stealing. You ride the train or the bus without touching on your Mikey. Stealing. We steal intellectual property when we plagiarize ideas and put them in our essays without giving credit. You steal if you download copyrighted music or movies or TV shows without paying for them. Or if you use PC software that isn't registered. We sometimes feel like these crimes are a little bit victimless, don't we? I mean, surely Will Smith doesn't need the money. He seems to be doing just fine. But if, if you allow the downloading of music and movies, then where are you going to draw the line? How are you going to argue that one type of stealing is okay and another type is bad? How can you demand that your rights be protected when you're willing to take away someone else's rights? Imagine that you worked hard, you've saved for years, and you finally get the Mercedes-Benz that you've always wanted. Does the fact that you're now rich make it okay for someone to vandalize your car? Leviticus 19 verse 11 says, You shall not steal, and you shall not deal falsely. So, how did you go? Maybe you're not a bank robber or a shoplifter. But if you're anything like me, you probably didn't come up spotless in that list. It makes us wonder, why do people steal? Why do people steal? I remember I once stopped on the side of the highway because a woman's car had broken down and turns out she'd run out of fuel. So she asked to get in my car and I drove her to the petrol station and I bought her a can of fuel. I went in and paid for it because she didn't have any money and then we drove back to her car and we filled it up and we got it going and, and she drove off. And it was only after she was gone that I realised my iPod was missing from my car. And it turned out that while I'd been in the petrol station paying for her fuel, she'd been rifling through the things in my car and she'd stolen my iPod. Why do people steal? Why do we steal? See, the problem with stealing is bigger than just taking something that isn't yours. The big problem with stealing is that in your heart, you think you're the most important person in the whole world. You love yourself more than anyone else. Maybe you've seen this. Not just in the world out there, but in churches. In yourself. How much can I get away with? 
If they don't know, well, then it won't hurt them, right? I don't care how much this impacts them as long as I get what I want. We take, we use, we abuse, we put ourselves ahead even if it disadvantages those around us. It's the very opposite attitude of what we see in Jesus, isn't it? There were three crosses on the hill that afternoon when Jesus died. He hung between two other men, two robbers. And these robbers were criminals and they deserved to be there. But the man in the middle was completely innocent. He wasn't a thief. In fact, he was the opposite of a thief. He was the most generous man who ever lived. He spent his whole life blessing and caring for other people. And then he gave up his own life for them. And as he hung there about to die, one of the thieves next to him realized how desperately he needed saving. And he called out, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus, hanging on the cross, responded with these beautiful words, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. This thief had spent his whole life trying to get ahead, trying to get rich. And then in an instant, Jesus freely gave him everything he'd been looking for, a heavenly inheritance, a treasure that no one could ever steal, a ticket to paradise. Jesus died so that thieves like you and me could receive all the treasures of life. He died because of all the thieving desires of our hearts. Putting ourselves first. Using other people to get what we want. Taking all God's good gifts and hoarding them and squandering them and wasting them. And in return, Jesus gives us a treasure that can't be bought and it can't be stolen. The treasure of life and grace and forgiveness. I want to ask you a question. Are you able to keep the Eighth Commandment? Are you able to keep it? You could probably stop stealing. You could probably make sure you were the best employee and you never slacked off at work and you never cheated on your taxes and you always paid for your movies and you always touched on your Mikey. But actually, that's not enough. Remember we said the, the big problem with stealing is in our hearts? The problem is that we love ourselves more than other people. And so if you don't know Jesus, I don't think you can actually keep this commandment. Because the only way to really deal with the heart problem of stealing is if Jesus gives you a new heart. We need new hearts. And that's what we're going to look at now. We've talked about the problem of theft. Now we want to talk about the opposite of theft. The opposite of theft. Remember, as we've been going through the Ten Commandments, we've been seeing that every commandment involves both a negative prohibition and a positive alternative. So the prohibition is, is don't 
do this. That's the letter of the law. But actually, attached to each law is also a positive alternative. It's, it's the opposite. It's the heart of the law. And to work out what the opposite of theft is, we need to understand why God is so concerned about stealing. Yeah? So remember, the nation of Israel, they've just been freed from slavery in Egypt. They were slaves. They were owned by the Egyptians. They were horribly abused. And now God has freed them. And as he sets up this new community, he wants to protect their freedom. No one should have to be a slave again. God's protecting the right for each person to own his own possessions. This is not communism, where everyone shares everything. God is protecting the right for each of us to own our own possessions. And he forbids stealing because it violates a person's freedom to own. But that prompts another question. Why does God think that ownership is important? Well, in God's world, owning things is never meant to be about hoarding or amassing wealth or getting yourself ahead in life. In God's world, ownership is about stewardship. That's a really important idea that I want to unpack. Ownership is about stewardship. God gives us things to own and possess so that we can steward them in a way that we bless other people. Remember right back in Genesis, God gave the Garden of Eden to Adam and what did he say? He said, look after it. God has actually loaned the world to us. Everything you have ultimately belongs to him. But he's entrusted it to you so that you can steward it. I remember one Christmas, my little sister didn't have any money to buy Christmas presents. So my dad gave her some money and he said, here you go, you can take this money and you can go and buy some presents. I guess she could have actually kept that money for herself, but that would have been wrong because she had been given the money to bless other people. And that Christmas, my dad received a present that he'd actually paid for himself. (laughs) But isn't that kind of a picture of what it's like every time we give something to God? Ownership is about stewardship. We're blessed to be a blessing. Imagine, if you can, that your child is sitting in the playpen and steals a toy from another child. And you say, hey, give it back, don't steal. Now, you don't just say that because you want your child to stop stealing. You want more than that, don't you? I mean, what you really want is for your child to be kind and gentle and caring and thoughtful. And in the same way today, our commandment here is not just about not stealing. We read from Ephesians 4 earlier, and I want to reread Ephesians 4, verse 28. Verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. And I want to suggest that this verse really helps us understand what the Eighth Commandment is all about. In this verse, we see three ways that the gospel frees us not to steal, but to love others. 
Three ways to be good stewards with everything that we've got. So let's, let's look at them quickly together. Let's look at these three things. Firstly, stop stealing. It's pretty obvious. Don't steal. How does the gospel of Jesus help us with that? That's an awesome question, by the way. Whenever you're reading the Bible and God tells you to do something, it's a great question to ask. How does the gospel help me to do this? It assures you, the gospel assures you that God loves you and cares for you. God knows how much money you have. He knows what you don't have. He knows what you need. He also knows what you don't need. He's the perfect provider, so you can trust Him to provide. You don't need to steal. You don't need a fight to get ahead. You don't need a side hustle. If you're struggling financially, God doesn't want you to be dishonest. He doesn't want you to cut corners. If you see a chance to fudge the numbers or tweak the taxes, faith in God says, no, I don't need to. I trust in God to provide everything I need. So the first one, stop stealing, trust God. Secondly, work diligently. Paul says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. The world around us often tells us that work is frustrating. Work is demeaning. Working for the man sucks. I never get paid enough. We feel how done by. Like, surely life was meant to be easier than this. Surely work was meant to be more enjoyable. Surely God wants me to be richer than I am. How does the gospel help with this? The gospel says, everything you do can and should be done for the glory of God. When you work hard, God is honored. In fact, that's just such a wonderful way to honour God on a Monday morning, is, is go to work and work hard. For Christians, work has dignity. Work is noble. It's often frustrating and difficult, for sure. But work is the chosen means by which God gives us what we need. Yeah, Work is the chosen means by which God gives us what we need. God actually gave work to us before the fall, before sin. Work is a good thing. Some of you work at school or at uni. Some of you work to raise children. Some of you are tradies or business owners. You might work in the church. You might work in hospitality. But whatever work God's given you, He wants you to do it with diligence and with honesty, without stealing, without blurring the boundaries of what's right. Honest work is God's chosen way to give us what we need. So first, stop stealing and trust God. Second, work diligently. And now third and last, give generously. This is really important. Not stealing is not enough. Working hard is not enough. Because ownership is about stewardship. The gospel shows us there's nothing better in the world than love. 
love is generous. Love is kind. Love is Jesus giving up his life to bless you. And love is you and me using what we have to bless others. Do you remember I told you that my iPod was stolen? I went home that night and I told my friend what had happened. The next morning, he knocked on my doorstep and in his hands he had a brand new iPod which he had bought for me. Love is generous. Jerry Bridges is a Christian writer. He says there are three attitudes people can have towards their possessions. The first attitude says, what's yours is mine, so I'll take it. That's the thief. The second attitude says, what's mine is mine, so I'll keep it. And naturally, that's where so many of us live. But the third attitude says, what's mine is God's, so I'll share it. That's the attitude of a heart that's been changed by the gospel. That's what you can't do unless you know Jesus. That's a heart that knows that this earth is passing away and heaven is forever. Which of those three attitudes describes you best? Friends, if you're in Jesus, you're wonderfully secure. In fact, you're incredibly rich. Did you know that? You're incredibly rich. And so you're free to give a lot. And actually your job, your secular worldly job, has been given to you so that you can share God's grace. I'll say that again. God has given you your job so that you can display his grace to others. So use your work, use your finances, use your time, use your abilities to bless the church and to bless other people. Well, Robin Hood and Enrique Duran, they had it partly right. It is good to give to the poor. That's good. But God doesn't want us to steal to do it. Rather, he wants us to trust him, to work diligently and to give generously. If we live like that at the hub, imagine what an awesome community we would be. In fact, I think many people at the hub are living like that. And I want to encourage you. It's beautiful. Imagine what that looks like to people outside the church when we obey this commandment. When we don't ask, how much can I get away with? Or how far can I take this person for a ride? But we ask, how could I bless this person? How could I love them? You'll look very different from the world. You'll stand out. In fact, you might be laughed at. Your workmates might scoff because you never cheat the clock or stretch your brakes. Your friends at school might laugh at you and call you a teacher's pet. Your bank account might not be as big and your holiday might not be as nice. But when you live like this, you adorn the gospel. You make the gospel attractive. You show it off. You display the beauty of Jesus to the world. You show people that he has given you all the treasures of heaven.
Let's pray together now. Let's thank Jesus for his incredible generosity to us. Lord Jesus, thank you that you were so generous. Generous to the point that you gave up your life so that we could be made rich. Thank you for the security that we have in you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for the hope of treasures in heaven that will never fade away. We pray that as we think about the gospel and think about what we have in you, that you would free our hearts to be generous. Not just honest, but generous. Please transform us more and more to be a community of incredible love and self-sacrifice. And as we do that, we pray, glorify yourself. Show off the beauty of the gospel through us here at the Hub, we pray. Amen.